Good evening again. We're studying the book of Ruth here on Wednesday night. So turn in your Bibles to Ruth chapter 1. If you are using a Bible under the seat in front of you, you'll find that on page 306. Lord, as we sang, there is no one like you, and you are so good, and you are highly exalted, and you are so tender with us, you're so gracious towards us. Why would we ever want to leave your protection? Why would we ever want to leave what is clearly your will for our lives? Lord, I want to pray that you'd bless this time. Help us to understand your word and be able to apply it to our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There was a man named Fred who inherited $10 million. But he was confronted with choices. The will provided that he had to accept that inheritance either in Chile or Brazil. He chose Brazil. Unhappily, it turned out that in Chile he would have received his inheritance in land on which uranium, gold, and silver had just been discovered. Once in Brazil, he had to choose between receiving his inheritance in coffee or nuts. He chose nuts. Too bad. The bottom fell out of the nut market. Coffee went up to $1.30 a pound, wholesale, unroasted. Poor Fred lost everything to his name. So he went out and he sold his solid gold watch for money that he needed to fly home. And he had just enough money for a ticket either to New York or Boston. He chose Boston. When the plane for New York taxied up, he noticed that it was a brand new Super 747 jet with red carpets, chic people, helpful hostesses. The plane for Boston then arrived. It was a 1928 Ford tri-motor with sway back, and it took a full day to get off the ground. It was filled with crying children and tethered goats. Over the Andes, one of the engines fell off. Our man, Fred, made his way up to the captain and said, I'm a jinx on this plane, man. Let me out if you want to save your lives. Give me a parachute. And the pilot agreed and said, on this plane, anybody who bails out must wear two chutes. So Fred jumped out of the plane. As he fell dizzily through the air, he tried to make up his mind which ripcord to pull. He chose the one on the left. He pulled the chute open, but the shroud line snapped, taking the other parachute with it. Now Fred is free-falling. In desperation, the poor fellow cried out, St. Francis, save me. A great hand from heaven reached down, seized the poor fellow by the wrist, and let him dangle in the air. Then a gentle but inquisitive voice asked, 
St. Francis Xavier or St. Francis of Assisi? Can there be any doubt that poor Fred chose the wrong St. Francis? Poor Fred. Choices have consequences. And bad choices have bad consequences. Ruth, chapter 1, is a chapter filled with choices. Choices with real consequences. Much more important than the choices that poor Fred had to make. As we saw last week, a family living about 3,000 years ago in the city of Bethlehem made a very bad choice. The man was named Elimelech. His wife was named Naomi. They were married. They had two sons named Malan and Kilion. They were from the tribe of Judah living in Bethlehem, and by all indications, they were living with great prosperity and peace. Things were great. But a famine came on the land. The economy went south. Things got tough. And instead of sticking it out in Bethlehem by faith, Elimelech moved his family. They packed up and they left Bethlehem. And they actually left the promised land. They left the community of God's people. And they went to this place called Moab. The Moabites were bitter enemies of the Israelites. The Israelites were not to have anything to do with the Moabites. The Moabites were idolaters. They were wicked, depraved, pagans. There is no way that he should have moved his family to Moab. And please understand, it is always a bad choice to leave the promised land. Always. It's always a bad choice to leave God's will for your life. And you can think, Elimelech, he's the dad. He's probably heard that there was more food down in Moab. But, but so what? You don't leave the promised land. But that's a choice that they made. And they suffered for it. The text indicates that they only wanted to spend a little bit of time there in Moab, but they ended up staying in Moab for 10 plus years. And please understand, when you backslide, you might think it's temporary, but it'll turn into years. It'll turn into years. They were in that land for 10 years. Their sons, Malan and Kilion, married two Moabite women named Orpah and Ruth. Now that was forbidden. They were not to intermarry. But that's what happened. That's what they did. That was the choices that they made. And tragedy struck. Elimelech died, leaving Naomi a widow. And then her two sons died, Malan and Killian, both of them. Now Naomi is a childless widow. 
And to be a childless widow was to be among the lowest, most disadvantaged classes in the ancient world. There was no one to support you, and you had to live on the generosity of strangers. Naomi lost everything. In fact, she's been called the female Job of the Bible. All she has left are two Moabite daughters-in-law who have also become childless widows. Tragic. They never should have left home. They never should have left Bethlehem. Well, let's look at the decision that Naomi makes as the story continues. Look at verse 6. Pick it up where we left off last week. It says, Then she, Naomi, arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Therefore, she went out from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. So here we see Naomi making the right choice. Go home. It's always the right choice to go home. She's been in Moab for 10 plus years. She's experienced tragedy. She hears there's food in Bethlehem. She goes home. Now at this point in the story, please understand Naomi is a bitter woman. She feels that the hand of the Lord is against her. She suffered so much tragedy. But still, she's going home. And it's probably not a journey of repentance either. It's probably uh, real practical. There's bread in Bethlehem. So on she goes. So her heart's definitely not right. But she went home. And that's the best choice a person can make. Because listen, when you choose to go back, that puts you in a position where God can now restore you. Where God can bless you. Where God can take care of the mess that's been made of your life. And if you do belong to the Lord and you've drifted and you come back to him, the Lord can restore you. And the Lord will restore you. This whole story reminds me of the story of the prodigal son. That famous story that Jesus taught. You remember that story. Here's a kid that's living in the best place with his father. He has everything that he could possibly want. But he says, Dad, I want my estate. Give it all to me right now. He leaves home. He goes to a far country. Squanders it all away. Ends up in a pig's pen. So hungry that he's tempted to fill his own stomach 
with the pods that are fed to the pig. And in that faraway country, so far from home, he begins to think about home. And he remembers how good he had it with his father. And he thinks, I could go home and be a servant, even as a servant in my father's house. I'll have it so good. And so you remember, he practices his little speech that he's going to give. I'll go home and I'll say, Dad, I just want to be your servant. I'm no longer your son. But what does the dad do? Do you know it's the first time and the only time in the Bible where God runs? The father representing the heavenly father ran to his son, welcomed him back, put a robe on him, put a ring on him, killed the fatted calf. They had a big party. That's who God is. And if you'll go home, he'll receive you back. Maybe some of you have been in Moab for several years. You're a born-again Christian, but you've gone the wrong way. You've gone the way of the prodigal. The best decision you could make right now is to go right back. Go back to your father. And he will receive you. So Naomi is going home. But here's the interesting thing. Her two Moabite daughters-in-law begin on the journey with her. So Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah are tight. They love each other very, very much. Which, that's kind of miraculous. Two daughters-in-law loving their mother-in-law, and vice versa. They had an amazing relationship. So they actually start to leave Moab and travel to Bethlehem with Naomi. But look what Naomi, she has second thoughts about this. Verse 8. It says, and Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you, and as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you might find rest, each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept together. So Naomi has second thoughts. She turns to her daughter-in-law, sweetheart, daughters, this isn't such a good idea. Don't go with me to Bethlehem. Don't go with me. There's nothing there for you. Go back to Moab. Go back and find security in your parents' house. Go back to your people. That would be the best thing for you to do. Go find a new husband. The opportunity for you to get remarried is much greater for you in Moab. Go find rest there. By the way, I love that description of marriage is rest. I like that. 
Marriage should be rest. Your marriage should be considered a time of rest for you and your spouse where you enjoy one another and comfort one another. Spend time together. Refresh one another. You know, we go out every day and we go to work and we go through all those things that we do and maybe we butt heads with people all along. When you get back home with your husband and wife, I hope there's no fights. I hope that you can find rest. That you would enjoy your spouse in that way. Find sanctuary there. Mrs. Albert Einstein was once asked if she understood her husband's theory of relativity. No, she said, but I know how he likes his tea. I love that. Marriage should be rest. And this is such an emotional moment for these three women. Naomi is thinking, you're going to have a much better opportunity back home. In fact, she invokes a blessing upon these two. May the Lord deal kindly with you. May the Lord grant you rest with another husband. And there's this big emotional moment. And they hug. And they kiss. And they weep. But look at verse 10. They said to her, Surely we will return with you to your people. No, we're not going to go. We're hanging on to you, Naomi. So on they go. Naomi tries a second time. Verse 11. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Again, she pleads with her, go back. Separate yourself from me. I'm no good for you. We can never be family. My sons are dead. I'm not going to have any other sons. I'm beyond the age of childbearing. She says, if I could have a husband this very night and conceive two male sons, two tw- uh, twins in my womb, would you wait till they're born and they grow up? Of course you wouldn't. Go back to Moab. And, and you see her, her better... The hand of the Lord is against me. You don't want anything to do with me. I've blown it. Go back. Verse 14. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. So there's another very emotional moment. 
And then it says, Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And the idea here is Orpah kissed Naomi goodbye. This is her farewell. She's going to go back. She's going to return to to Moab. Question, do you blame her? I don't think we can be too hard on Orpah. And I'm trying to be so careful. I don't want to call her Oprah. (laughs) Or Orca. I don't want to do that either. Orpah. We can't be too hard on Orpah. She, She did the sensible thing. She would have had a much easier chance back home in Moab of getting all of her life together. Of having more opportunity to find a husband. She did what you would expect. But this is the last you'll hear of Orpah. This is the last time you hear her name, not only in the book of Ruth, but in the rest of biblical revelation. She exits the story. And please, that's what happens to so many people who make the expected, sensible choice in life. They just disappear into mediocrity. They end up into a life that, well, kind of average. Ruth did the unexpected thing. It says there that Ruth clung to Naomi. That's the same word that's used in Genesis when it says a husband and wife should cleave to one another. She's going to stay with Naomi. She's not going to leave. So Orpah departs. Ruth and Naomi continue the journey. Naomi tries again. To persuade Ruth to go back. Verse 15. And she, Naomi, said to Ruth. Look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. Ruth, Orpah did the right thing. She went home. You should do the exact same thing. Follow her example. Go back. Now, now. She literally says, she went back to her people and her gods. Now, what kind of good advice is that? Who would tell somebody to go back to false gods when they're on their way back to the living God? Do you see how messed up Naomi is? How hurt she is in her spirit? Ruth, go back to Moab. Well, the response of Ruth is one of the greatest professions of faith that you will find in the entire Bible. And that's why she's one of the heroes of the Bible. And she's certainly one of my heroes. Her response to Naomi, verse 16. 
But Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. Wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. Stop telling me to stop following you. Stop trying to get me to go back to Moab. Naomi, I'm coming with you. I'm clinging to you. Where you go, I go. Where you lodge for a bit, I'll lodge for a bit. Where you die, I'll die there and be buried. Let nothing but death separate us. Now, of course, we see a a wonderful love there between that Ruth has for Naomi. But there's something deeper going on. She's converted. She's placed her faith in God. She's turned to the living God. She says, your God will be my God. I choose your God over my gods. By the way, God in the Hebrew, it's Elohim. Your God is Elohim. Elohim is my God. She says, may the Lord do so to me if I don't do this. She takes an oath and she uses the covenant name of God, Yahweh. Yahweh is my God. She says, your people will be my people. In other words, I'm converting. I will become a proselyte within Judaism. I'm moving to you. She's putting her faith in God. And she is committed to a complete and total break with the past. She's leaving Moab. She's leaving her mother's house. She's leaving friends. She's leaving everything that she ever knew growing up in Moab, all of her culture, all of her society, everything. She's saying, this is real. I believe God's real. I believe your God's real. And I'm taking a break. And I'm going with you. What an incredible conversion. And think of, think of how she got converted with everything going against her. I mean, so she knows Naomi. She knew Elimelech when he was alive. She knew Malan and Kalian, Kilion when they were alive. It was, it was a Jewish family. She married into that Jewish family. And maybe she learned a lot about the Lord there or some. But let's face it, that family wasn't a bright, shining light for God. In fact, they were in rebellion. They'd left Bethlehem. They shouldn't have even been there. And Naomi. (laughs) Here she is encouraging Ruth to go back to her Moabite gods. She's bitter. And then think about this. Ruth is hurt. Ruth is suffering. She lost her husband. She's now a childless widow. 
Naomi blamed God for her condition. You would think that maybe a Moabite Gentile woman might also blame the God of Naomi. But no, she turns to the God of Naomi. It's an incredible conversion. How did she convert? In the midst of all that crisis and tragedy and hurt and bitterness, God found Ruth. God revealed himself to Ruth. I don't know how it was done. Some suggest that perhaps the Lord spoke to Ruth just as he had spoken to Abraham. Calling Abraham out of Ur. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Ruth, even with her limited knowledge of the God of the Jews, knew that that God had to be much better than her Moabite gods. Whatever the case, this woman was converted. And please, please understand. The conversion of Ruth is one of the most important conversions in the entire Bible. It is comparable to the conversion of Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. It is comparable to the act of faith that Abraham exercised in leaving Ur and going to the promised land. Ruth would be blessed for making this decision. Naomi would be blessed because Ruth makes this decision. And Ruth will play a significant role in God's plan for all of humanity. Listen, Ruth will be a part of God's plan for the salvation of all humanity. And you say, how? Well, I'm not going to tell you yet. Some of you know the story and you already know. And I would encourage you to read ahead if you'd like. But just know this. The conversion of this woman was very special. And incredibly radical. And I will tell you this. Ruth represents the most important choice that a person can make. And how to make that choice. The most important choice that any person can make in life is to give themselves to God. It's the most important choice. Now let's, let's move it into the New Testament, the church age. The most important decision that any person can ever make is to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior who died on the cross for their sins and rose again. That is the most important decision that anyone can make. And you should be willing to make that decision at any cost. If that means leaving family, friends, severing connections, losing money, whatever it might be, losing the whole system that you grew up in as a child, whatever it might be, the most important thing for you to do would be to give your life to Jesus Christ and let him save your soul. Because God has big plans for you. 
We were created to know him. Our sin has led us astray. Ruth did that in an incredible way. Follow her example if you have not. So that's an incredible statement. How does Naomi react to that? Verse 18. When she saw that she, Ruth, was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. Now, I don't know if that means she stopped trying to argue with her. Or if she gave her the silent treatment. You know how moms can do that sometimes. I don't know. Maybe she was frustrated with Ruth all the way back home. Could be. But Ruth is going. Eventually they reach home. And it's a bittersweet experience. Look at verse 19. Now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. And it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? Now Bethlehem was not a big city. It It was a village. Everyone knew everyone. Everyone knew everyone in the area. When visitors came, everyone knew about it. And everyone knew when Naomi showed up. And there was an excitement. They would have known this was the Naomi that left 10 years prior. All the women are saying, is this Naomi? And and in the Hebrew, this is the, 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 the feel. They're all saying, can this be Naomi? Is this the Naomi we knew 10 years ago? She's been gone 10 years. But it looks like she's aged 50 years. More wrinkles, saggy eyes, depression, struggling. All that impacts your physical health. Verse 20, she, Naomi, said to them, watch this. Do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. Naomi, remember that her name means sweetness. Her name means pleasantness. She says, don't call me that anymore. I'm not sweet. Change my name to Mara. I'm bitter. And the Lord has treated me with bitterness. Look at her in verse 21. She continues... I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? What happened to you? I left full, and I came back empty. I left with a husband and two sons. And I come back empty. Now listen carefully. Listen carefully. That's what will happen to you if you make the decision to leave home. That will happen. If you know what you're supposed to do with the Lord, you know that he's got his, a hold of your life, you've asked him to be your Lord and Savior, and you, and you, go, 
You go wandering, I guarantee you, you will leave full and come back empty. The prodigal son left full, got his whole estate. How did he come back? Empty. Ruth left full. How did he come, she come back? Or not Ruth. Naomi left full. How did she come back? She came back empty. And she came back wrinkled. Sin will wrinkle you. Sin will age you. Tragedy ages you. So she came home. She's not in the best of spirits. Did you kind of get that from the text? But as I said earlier, she did come home. And coming home gives God the opportunity to work. And God is going to work. God is going to begin moving in Naomi's life to redeem. Chapter 1 finishes on a note of hope. Look at it. Verse 22. So Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of what? Barley harvest. So they show back up at Bethlehem. It's spring. It's April, just like it is now. Everything's blossoming. Everything's coming alive. Winter's over. They've had a famine for years. They're going to have their first barley harvest. A brand new beginning. And the timing is perfect because when the Jews had a barley harvest, childless widows were allowed to glean in those fields. And God is going to do some marvelous things in those fields in Bethlehem. Through Ruth, and it will impact their whole family. Naomi said, I left full, I came back empty. Well, that's not really true. She came back with Ruth. And Ruth is going to be a blessing. And God is putting things together. Ruth is going to be gleaning in a field, and she's going to meet a redeemer. And God is going to begin to work in a way that that family never could have dreamed. To put all the pieces back together. Because that's what our Lord does. There are three choices in this chapter that I want to reiterate to you. And the first choice is the one that we saw Ruth make. Give your life to the Lord. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, do it now. It's the most important choice you can possibly make. And if it costs you stuff, so be it. Make that decision. If you are here tonight and you are a born-again Christian, 
stay home. Stay in Bethlehem. I don't care what famine comes. I don't care what tragedy comes. And I'm not trying to downplay the suffering and the hurt. Terrible things happen in this life. But the worst thing you can do is leave your faith. And leave your Lord. And leave what you know you need to do, which is grow in your relationship with the Lord. The Bible. Don't leave the church. Don't leave your brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't leave fellowship. Stay home. Stay put. There are a lot of Christians who will leave because of tragedy. And they'll run from God. And here's the deal. You're running from the one who can help you the most. Run to God in those times. Be extra clingy in those times when you're going through the rough times. Now that's a decision that I think we should make every day. Stay home. No matter what's going on, I'm staying with Christ. I'm staying in the promised land. I'm staying in what I know God's will is for my life. You make that choice. You do it. God will bless you. If you're here tonight, you're a born-again Christian, and you did leave. You've wandered off. Come back home. Tonight, come back home. Your father will receive you. Stop the bleeding. Put yourself in that opportunity where he can bless you and restore you. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, I'm sure many of you know this one. This is God's heart toward you. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I'll listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. That's God's heart for you. God's not against you. God wants the best for you. If you have not received him as your Savior, what are you waiting for? He wants the best for you. He's going to save you, make you a child in his family, and bless your life. If you're going through hard times in life, and they come to everyone, including Christians, God can still use that in an incredible way in your life. He's got plans for you. If you've left him, come back. God has plans for you. God has plans, good plans. It's always the right thing to choose the Lord. It's always the wrong choice to leave the Lord. Can we pray through those choices together? Would you bow your heads with me? And I just, I, I really, I just want to pray through all of those choices this evening. If you're here tonight 
and you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Do so right now. Don't wait. You make that choice right now. You choose Jesus. And I'll lead you in a prayer right now if that's you. Say, Lord Jesus, be my Savior. I place my faith and trust in you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I repent. I I come to you. Take my life. Change me. Maybe you're here tonight and you're going through an extremely difficult time and you're tempted to backslide, to walk away from your faith. Stay home. Don't leave. And if that's you, I want to pray for you. Lord, I pray for those that are struggling. I pray for those that are tempted to abandon what they know to be true. Lord, keep them home. Keep them with you. Strengthen them right where they are in their faith. And then if you're here this evening and you have wandered, you're the prodigal. I want to invite you right now. Return home. Come back to your Lord. Trust him with your life. You say, but Terry, I've been so bad. Your father will receive you. He'll restore you. He'll give you a brand new chance. There may be some consequences that you're going to have to deal with, but God will even use those to make something new and beautiful. He'll redeem the situation. So if that's you, pray. Say, Lord, I'm coming home. I'm coming back to you. I'm tired of wandering out there. Tired of all the trouble. Receive me back. Put that ring on my finger. Put that robe on me. Restore me. And help me to follow you. Father, I thank you for your grace, your love and your mercy and your patience, your kindness, the safety that we find in you. Thank you for your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.